This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening, I'm Amanda Kinsley-Smith. Thank you for joining me on my first show for Teachers Talk Radio. This is a Sunday Late Show on Sunday 15th October, and my guest tonight is Nikki Mark. Music, a newly appointed member of SLT in a post-primary school here in Northern Ireland. We're discussing the decline in students choosing music at GCSE level and the impact this could have in the future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Okay, looks like we're kicking off here quite well. Uh, Nikki, I can see Nikki Mark, my guest, has entered the live studio. Nikki, if you can press call in, then we'll be able to get you up. And we've got our discussion tonight is going to be based on the decline of students choosing music at GCSE level and the impact then that this could have in the future for those students, for education in general, and for the arts as well. And hopefully that should be Nikki connected now. Nikki, is that you with us? I think so, yes. I think it's coming through now. Lovely. Yes, I can hear you nice and clearly. Hopefully everybody at home can as well. Thank you to the people who have joined us live as well. Please feel free to text in if you have any questions or any comments that you want to contribute to the discussion. And Nikki, I wondered if we could start with you maybe giving us a little background detail just on yourself and about the impact that music has had on you. I know you're from a very creative musical family as well, in terms of your 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 education, your choices there, but also you as a person, if you would. Yes, of course. Um, so yes, I have um, kind of been involved with music from a very young age. I started piano lessons at the age of five at my mother's request. My um, mom was a music teacher, head of music in a school in Belfast. Um, and she obviously really valued music um, and especially for her children. She said the only thing she cared about, didn't care what we looked like, just cared that we maybe had some musical genes in us. <laughs> so um, thankfully, both myself and my brother uh, got those musical genes. Um, but I have been doing music then. I've been involved um, kind of in that arena since that age. So from about five, um, I then continued. I played the trumpet. I do try to keep that a secret quite a lot, but uh, I did play the trumpet um, for a little <laughs> bit of time. Um, and I also sing um, occasionally as well. So I have been involved, like I said, with music from about the age of five. Uh, did it all the way through primary school, secondary school. Then again, I was, you know, really heavily involved in all extracurricular activities to do with music, performing, um, any of those kind of uh, variety. So going from like choirs to orchestras to wind band, um, anything I could really get involved in. I did. Um, I then auditioned for solos and things like that to try and get myself uh, kind of on the stage a bit more rather than just maybe playing in the orchestra pit. Um, so I then kind of grew in confidence singing and did that a little bit more in my kind of later years in school. And then I also studied the subject. So I took it up at GCSE, took it on to A-level, and then I chose to go and study at a university. 
Um, like I said, I come from a, a very creative family. That's what I'll say. So <laughs> my mother, incredibly musical. Um, she really is one of a kind, actually. She is so talented in music and she devoted her life to teaching those in maybe um, what would be considered a less affluent area um, of Northern Ireland. And she made sure that everybody got a great experience of music. And that's something that I've certainly tried to take on um, in my job where I am um, at the moment. So she, um, very musical, very musical. My brother also incredibly musical. My dad is actually tone deaf. However, he is incredibly <laughs> creative. And I think I've been, I've definitely take on, taken on his creativity and his kind of mad wacky ideas um, and kind of <laughs> applied those to some of my musical outputs too. Um, so, like I said, I am I'm head of music in a school in Belfast, and recently I've just got um, a little bit of a promotion into senior leadership as well, um, which is congratulations that I'm sure, thank you, that I will really get get myself involved with hopefully um, in the kind of community side of school, and um, which really does tie in with all of the music um, and all of those musical activities, really. So it's kind of it's worked out very well. The two roles are hopefully going to go hand in hand. Excellent. And so, so you're yeah. from this this creative musical background. What then called you into teaching as a career and specifically then teaching music? Do you think that comes from the influence of your mum? Yeah, it, it probably does. I um I kind of had two paths in mind. It was to go down the performance side. Um honestly the dream role was to be a Disney princess. Um but I am <laughs> I'm five foot and I discovered that to be a Disney princess you have to be five foot two. So that dream died quite quickly. Um but other than that, then I had always kind of had this calling for teaching as well. Um I taught actually in my kind of later teenage years, um, I taught piano, which was probably my main instrument. Um and I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed kind of imparting any knowledge I had um, into those kind of younger formative years um, of some of my primary school pupils. Um, but I really loved the extracurricular um, program that I experienced in school. And I knew that if I was going to go on to teach music, I would want to be working probably with some of those older year groups um, yeah. to try and replicate some of the experiences that I had. Um, so yes, that was kind of my calling into music, I suppose, um, and certainly into teaching. Um, I knew that I wanted to go down the route of doing the degree, first of all, the subject, um, really get my kind of teeth into all of the technicalities and kind of absorb as much knowledge as I could before I went on to do a PGC then um, and then become a teacher. So that's that's probably the influence of my mum. And then I really did enjoy some of those experiences I had working with the kind of primary age uh, children teaching piano. So Disney's loss was education's gain then? Uh, well, yes, yes. For now, anyway. You know, you never <laughs> For know <laughs> what could happen in the future. Is it not that Tinkerbell's allowed to be a bit shorter? Could you not get in there? She is. And she, but <laughs> the height thing, she she flies along a very high wire. And I don't know if I have that, uh, the bravery there <laughs> and the courage to do that every night. But yes, you never know. Never know what will happen in the future. Excellent. And... What do you feel then that going down this path, you said you had these options open to you, this was the path that you decided to go down. What benefits do you feel that then studying music and going into teaching music have brought for you? Um, I think I, I could talk about them and we could fill the entire programme of the benefits of music, but I think I've kind of <laughs> narrowed it down to maybe three kind of areas, I suppose. Um, the first one would be confidence. Um, it's one of those subjects that 
performance is quite a large part of it. Um, certainly in the academic side of it and the subject, it accounts for a third in, you know, GCSE A level. So I certainly developed a, a confidence of being able to stand up in front of a crowd because you're thrown in on day one to do that. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it it's such a big part of the subject um, that I have found uh, that I'm able to speak to large group of people, small group of people, um, and even in the performing of singing, you know, I've been very fortunate to be able to um, tour around um, kind of country and a little bit abroad. And again, the skills that I that I kind of built up while studying the subject in that performance area um, and building the confidence really helped me to do those things um, and really just kind of pushed me a little bit further than probably some of my other subjects did um, at the mm-hmm. time. One of the other things I think that I really um, feel music gave me a, um, a strong work ethic um, to not give up mm-hmm. in that first hurdle. It is one of those things that you don't get the finished product on day one. Um, you have to work to that. You have to um, you have to try and try and try again. And it also teaches you how to deal with failure because it's not going to go right every time. Um, and it, it kind of if you become a bit more um, accustomed to failure, I think you learn um, a lot more that it's okay to feel um, and that you can get better. And I definitely think that with music and with even writing music and composing, you know, it's not always going to be perfect first time round. You also may have some performances that don't go well. Um, and I think that that kind of, like I said, failure, learning from it, and also that strong work ethic of continuing to work at something and not just giving up. Um, would probably be another thing that I really um, gained from my studying of music. And then my final thing, I think the final benefit kind of area would be the community. Um, while studying the subject, you know, you're encouraged to participate in extracurriculars, but also within the subject um, of the exam board that I teaching that I experienced and you had to do some performance ensembles and it's working with other people it's having dialogue with other people you know that has that has given me skills that you know you can't just learn from reading in a book Mm -hmm. in a textbook you know you have to put in the time working with another person and I think those people skills um as I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later are maybe lacking at this this post-covid time and I think that you know I certainly benefited from it and I think that in this kind of era that we're starting to go into that we will need it a lot more um I also think that um with the community I have really enjoyed getting involved in groups as well um outside and that has all come from like studying different music and um, studying different um kind of cultural music as well and I think it just gives you a, a wider world perspective um and it's been yeah really beneficial and um I I I can't be more grateful to music um, because it has Mm -hmm. guided me um, through many situations. So I have found it to be incredibly beneficial to my life. So you've had travel opportunities, you've had, you know, personal progress and career Mm -hmm. progress all from studying music and choosing that path at the beginning. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, my other option other than Disney, you know, was marketing. <laughs> and while it would have been wonderful, you know, I don't think I would have had the opportunity to get up and sing on a stage in, you know, like places in America, for example. Um, so I definitely find that 
I have been had. There's more opportunities out there, I think, um, in that kind of performance arena, certainly, and um, mm-hmm. even stuff here in our home home city. Um, yeah. there are a lot of we're a very musical country, and I think there are a lot of opportunities there again for performance. And I certainly wouldn't have got that if I had studied maybe another subject. Um, certainly not. I might have had it in terms of if I kept it as kind of a hobby. And again, I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later mm-hmm. on, but not as a main focus of a career. There, you just have the time to be able to invest into those opportunities more than if you've just kept it for the side. Yeah, well, I suppose if you're keeping it for the side as well, and I know we will come on to this later, but you mm-hmm. maybe wouldn't push yourself into those situations that are a little bit more scary where you are having to develop the skills of performance in front of other people and as you say traveling to perform in front of completely different audiences and also performing in front of people at home could be just as scary if there are people you know will be there absolutely yes there's nothing worse than seeing faces that you know and know you very well (laughs) and can tell by just little one little wobble of your eyebrow as to whether you know something hasn't gone quite (laughs) quite the right way so yes it, it is terrifying and I think you know especially studying at university you know, your performance days, you're up there and then you critically analyze each other. And, you know, that's that's a that's a scary arena. Um, but I think if you build that trust with your colleagues around you, with the students around you, it's incredibly beneficial. I think it has made me a better teacher because I know we can all be precious with our subject and we can all be very precious with our teaching styles. <laughs> and I think that having gone through those moments where someone will say to you, oh, you're actually a little bit out of tune there. You need to work on that. You know, it feels very much like an attack. But when you see it as something that's, okay, this is something I work on, I think it's helped me be a more, um, help me to be more open to constructive criticism is what I'll call it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, yeah, definitely helped. Excellent. Um, we're going to have a brief pause to hear the news. When we come back, we're going to have a chat about the the stats, the evidence behind the declining numbers of students taking on music qualifications in Northern Ireland and in the rest of the UK. And we'll chat a bit, Nikki, with you about whether this correlates with your own experience and yes, what you have seen, what you have seen yeah. as well in that arena. Okay, so we will be we'll be back to look at those stats in just a minute. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly and access actionable data that drives student success. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash tape. 
Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Just Stop Oil have spray-painted universities across England. The climate campaigners used orange paint to coat buildings at the Universities of Leeds, Manchester and Cambridge, according to a report on the BBC News website. The latest protests came after other universities across the country were also targeted. Just Stop Oil say the protests are against the UK government's plans to licence new oil and gas projects. The BBC report featured comments from a spokesperson for University of Leeds, which said that whilst they support the right to legal protest, they were hugely disappointed that the results had been vandalism. At the University of Cambridge, a protester painted the neo-Gothic King's College orange and was confronted by members of the public. The majority of protesters have been arrested and charged with criminal damage. After the Tory party conference, attention turned to Labour's proposals for education should they be elected. Bridget Phillipson, Shadow Education Secretary, said a Labour government would upskill non-math specialists in primary schools to create the maths equivalent to phonics. The announcement marks a clear dividing line with Conservative policies, with Labour focused on the youngest school children, whilst Conservatives have focused on extending compulsory maths teaching to 18. The curriculum review would also be tasked with bringing maths to life and directing teachers to show children how numeracy is used in the world around them. The plans have been tentatively welcomed by the NAHT and General Secretary Paul Whiteman said it was vital that Labour builds upon the excellent maths teaching that is already taking place. Jeff Barton of Askell added, Ensuring that primary schools have the funding for the resources they need was vital to improving attainment. After the distressing news of events unfolding in Israel, many news outlets have reported on government plans to support Jewish schools with extra security guards. Security and police patrols have already been increased, but the government has given £3 million in funding. Measures taken by some schools already include pupils being told to remove blazers, and school trips being postponed. The BBC also reported that three schools have closed due to concerns. The Community Security Trust CST, which provides protection for Jewish communities in the UK, said there had been 139 anti-Semitic incidents since the recent attacks on Israel. At this time last year, there had been only 21 incidents. A government spokesperson said it was very concerned a small number of Jewish faith schools had temporarily closed and that it would be working to support them to open safely. Finally, BBC Wales education correspondent Bethan Lewis writes that children as young as seven or eight are using social media, according to a major survey in Wales. Responses from more than 32,000 children aged 7 to 11 suggest almost half use social media sites or apps a few times a week. Public health experts said the data was concerning, as most social media carry minimum age recommendations of 13. 
Parents also responded with many saying they found it hard to strike the right balance between the benefits and pitfalls of smartphones. Full details of the survey can be found on the BBC Wales section of the news website. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. And we are back in our conversation with Nikki Mark, Head of Music and member of SLT in a post-primary school here in Northern Ireland. And Nikki, we're going to have a quick look then at some of the stats to see how they correlate with your experience as a, a teacher and a marker of music. Of course, yeah. And great. having a look at the SIA, so CCA, the um, educator, the, sorry, the exam board here in Northern Ireland that is used the most, we've got Statistics from 10 years ago, where there were over 112,000 entries for all GCSEs, for all full course examinations. Now, that was the lowest in five years. But in that year, there were almost 1,800 entries for GCSE music. So there were 1,792 entries, which was 1.6% of the total. And the number of students getting a star to C in general across all the subjects was 80.9% whereas for music it was 93.5% so a, a good number are, are performing better in music at that stage than in their other subjects in general and if we skip on then there's a decline every single year bar one there's one year it goes up by four and beyond that it's a decline every single year until we get to 2022 to 23. now the number of entries in total has gone up quite significantly it's 100 over 162,000 at this stage and yet there's only 1,066 entries for GCSE music so that's a huge decline yeah yeah over the 10 years absolutely especially taking into account that overall numbers of that like um those entered has risen obviously mm -hmm. significantly um yes I and I I am I am very aware of this problem um especially throughout Northern Ireland I have to say I have to caveat this a little bit because mm -hmm. I have to say I'm I'm really pleased the school that I'm currently in um our numbers are quite good at the moment which is great and I'm so pleased about this but I have been in other schools and um, where unfortunately there is that decline and it does follow mm -hmm. that pattern um unfortunately I think there are there are a number of reasons for this. Um, well, a number of reasons that I can see anyway. Um, my first kind of thoughts um, would be that the subject has, I think, in line with budget cuts um, and in line with even arts funding in Northern Ireland as well. I think there have been quite a few cuts, and I think that has had some had an impact. Um, whenever, obviously, if there's plenty of money there, it's great. Things can run, you know, and schools don't have to make those scary decisions, those big decisions of, well, where are we going to be able to save um, money? Let's look at numbers, you know, in classes, are there enough picking? And, you know, I think some of those small number subjects might be a little bit more at risk mm -hmm. um, and, and they tend to be the first ones, unfortunately, that go. Um, yeah, that's, oh, yeah, sorry for jumping in there. No, that, no, we've, we've, had, um, we've had someone texting in, Emma. Uh, so okay. thank you, Emma, for texting in to say that in her school, the school where she works, there are only five students who have selected it for GCSE and they haven't been able to run the AS or A2 class this year. Okay, yeah. So that, that does fit with what you're saying. Absolutely, and it's it's trying to find the balance between, you know, obviously financially, which I'm, I'm obviously now learning in, in a more senior role <laughs> in a school, it's, it's more looking at all of that kind of area, but it's, it's 
it's looking at financially look we really should still be providing for these subject subjects that are a little bit more niche um because at the end of the day these these kids will go on you know the ones who do kind of choose it are generally quite um passionate about the subject and it, it tends to follow their pathway um i did a co i was doing a course last uh, year which kind of connected into a pathways and looking at pathways within schools and something that really interested me interested me was looking at the percentage of children who went on from say year 10 to study a subject and then rather than looking at the numbers which i think is what many schools do looking at the percentage from maybe that gcse class who would be going on to a level rather mm -hmm. than looking at it at a, in numerical value more in percentage and um, because I, th I think it's more reflective for those subjects especially those smaller number subjects and yeah. um, because they are more niche they are more um kind of closing in that career path a wee bit more and um, just a bit more direction i suppose and th there there are going to be some people some critics out there who will be saying well does it matter if they are choosing other subjects at gcse and that's what they're wanting to do if they've got music as a hobby does it matter if they're not picking it as a, a an academic qualification as well you know they can still go on and, and make music or have it as a hobby and should we be fighting this decline or should we trust the students to decide for themselves the direction that they want their lives to take yeah absolutely it's a great question it's and it's a phrase <laughs> it's a phrase i've heard you know it's i've heard this from you know careers advisors you know external careers advisors and um, you you know you i've heard in the past again other schools i'm very fortunate where i am and um, but in other schools i have heard but it, you know my my um child does this outside why should they bother wasting one of their options you know at gcse and i i kind of look at that whole music as a hobby why should they do it as a subject i kind of look at it like well if you had somebody who was bilingual the chances of mm -hmm. them doing that subject where they have all of this outside previous knowledge they are more likely to do it and i kind of i kind of look at music like that as well if you've had quite a few years maybe of training or you're involved in some kind of extracurriculars that would boost you in my head it's a no-brainer because the the other side of it is if you choose a different subject for example let's say we've got somebody who's been learning the piano for a couple of years and they're mm -hmm. at the standard that's required for um that particular gcse um exam board okay what i find is i kind of speak to these people and say look this is 35 percent of your gcse you're already at that standard so if you went in today you would be able to get that top mark already and you're a year 10 pupil for us um whereas mm -hmm. if you were doing another subject you picked up another subject that's a whole other module that you have to learn all this brand new information for so i see that keeping music as a hobby more as a let's use music as um you've already got this really good foundation why not use that to support your academic um, choices and certainly one of your subjects if you've already got a good head start on it? Well, yes, it does seem quite obvious whenever you're looking at it in those <laughs> terms of, and I love that comparison there with, with languages. And if you already have another language from home, of course, mm -hmm. you're going to take advantage of it and get Absolutely. those qualifications. And yes, with music, as you say, if they've already got the talent, they've already past these grades they've reached the standard that they need to get that's going to be a, a huge advantage in getting another GCSE absolutely and I find certainly with um, the exam board and um, that I'm using you know the 
they have altered it i think even from the days whenever i did the um did the qualification um and it's no, it hasn't been too long since I did it, but they have no. altered it, you know, in that short, we'll say short space of time. It probably is very short space of time, Nikki. want to admit, but, you know, I um even in that time, you know, it was very much standard that you had to be grade five in instrument. You 100% had to be taking lessons and um, you had to have a grade five theory behind you before, you know, you could even attempt the subject. Um, I think the elitism, and I know we're going to get onto that in a wee bit mm-hmm. um, later as well. I think the board have tried to take that away in certainly in the GCSE element by lowering um, what your kind of maximum ability would need to be, which is grade three. And if I could put it into terms of how I do say it to my year 10 pupils who um, I'm not sure what the equivalent of that is, maybe kind of across the water, but um, that age just before taking the GCSEs, I kind of say, look, Beauty and the Beast, I know we're having a Disney theme here, but Beauty and the Beast <laughs> is a, you know, grade three, grade four singing piece. If we can get you to sing that day standard, that's that's your practical sorted. That's you done. You just have to sing for two minutes at that standard. You know, I think the, the elitism maybe has been taken away a bit from the subject to make it a more accessible subject for every student. Um, and that's why I'm a real big kind of, I really try to push this, you know, if you're able to sing, this is a third of a GCSE that you don't have to learn any other information for, you know, this has become more of an option for you that maybe 15, 20 years ago, it probably wasn't an option for you. And I have to say that probably is maybe down to the exam board. Now, I cannot speak for every school in the country, but I know that there may be a bit of a legacy from some schools of putting in that kind of standard, still holding that standard and um, that maybe we just don't have in society anymore. You know, not every kid does learn the piano, like maybe we a couple of generations ago yeah. did. So um, I think maybe there's some legacy in certain schools where they do still demand that quite high standard. And maybe that accounts for the decline in students taking the subject. Yes, that's what I was going to ask. Actually, do you think that people realize that that has changed and that you know if you're able to reach the grade three standard that that is enough for you to be able to pursue this at GCSE or do you think they still think oh I have to have been taking professional lessons for this long and be up at grade five and and have these capabilities to be able to pursue it? I think it I think it all depends on how well um you know specifications are researched by parents. I know parents do trust teachers and don't get me wrong, teachers will have a reason for putting certain things in place, you know, to guide a pupil um certainly in their choices. Um but I do I don't know if it's necessarily as widely known, maybe for this particular syllabus. Um but it's certainly something that I have done and I have to say I've seen the benefit of the increase in numbers. You know, I'm having conversations and trying to make the the subject more of a comparable subject rather than a this is a niche subject which I know it always has been and um, so I'm trying to make it as no you absolutely could do this you know if we even start if you've joined the choir in year eight and you can sing for example you know I'm really trying to push you let's let's start singing in choir pieces that are of that standard so that I can when it comes to your choices we can have a conversation and say look the other parts we can work on but for this particular, we've got you to a stage for this particular um, module, the performance module, where you would be able to take this on, just like you would be able to take on geography, history, and um, whatever subject it would be that you um, would be picking at that stage. I suppose that's very similar. I'm a head of English and mm-hmm. it's very similar. We're trying to embed the skills 
from as soon as they start in post-primary. So for us in Northern Ireland, that's year eight. Mm -hmm. Trying to show them from the start, okay, well, these are the structures that we will want you to use for your creative writing. Yeah. It's a, a beginning, a middle and an end. No, <laughs> we'll have a specific yeah. structure. We're going to teach you that structure. We're going to practice these skills, get them to do their, their self-assessment, their checking exactly the same way. My GCSE girls and my girls who are just beginning in the school, they all learn it the same way, the same process, yeah. same way of checking their work so that they have the confidence whenever they come to GCSE of going, well, I know I can do this because I've been working on this from year eight. This is something I've practiced with my teacher. I've had the support the whole way through. And it takes just some of that fear, I suppose, away, just gives them that confidence boost. And why shouldn't that be the same in music as in any other subject? Absolutely. And I think that's where we, I think as a subject, there is that difficulty because, and I don't know whether it comes from maybe even higher up, um, kind of in terms of the management structure as to whether that legacy thought is maybe still there in a lot of schools um, or whether again it comes down to kind of the music department you know what they have in place as to what they think is going to be the most um, what's going to well at the end of the day it's results based and it's whatever is mm -hmm. going to get the best results but you know it as I kind of look at it if you are really focused on you know providing a good music education for all pupils um from year eight all the way through you should be embedding those skills to make that subject more accessible to everybody i know a, a personal little bugbear of mine is whenever i get um whenever i get pupils in in year eight who have been told oh i i'm not musical at all because i didn't get mm. off an, an instrument you know and, and i wasn't allowed in the choir so no i it's and on day one they're already switched off and I know that those first six weeks that I work with the pupils are about the subject of music rather than me, me doing a little test to figure out, you know, can you tell whether this note has gone up or down and that'll determine apparently your musicality. You know, it's I just find that, that that's a little bit of a struggle in a post-primary school, I feel, here. Um, yeah. I'm not quite sure if that maybe translates in kind of all the other areas. Um, but I've I've certainly found that in music in particular, there is you're sometimes already feel like you've maybe lost the battle there a wee bit and mm -hmm. you have to work to get those kids back on side to say no this is just another subject like any other subject that you're going to study in this brand new school that you come into yeah I, I do remember things like that myself whenever I was starting in the <laughs> yes. big school and already I was starting off thinking well I know I'm rubbish at art I know I can't do art <laughs> my sister can do art I can't do art um, yeah. and, and it is one of those things, rather than just approaching it as these are skills I don't have yet. I wouldn't have yeah. expected I wouldn't have expected to know what I was doing in history. Yes. Before yeah. I had started. And yet we, we do seem to, as a society, put that out there that music, art, sports, that these are sort of talents that you have or you don't from day one. So I can see why you would feel then such a difficulty to try to overcome that with some students right from day one of their their post-primary experience absolutely it's and i know i know that it, this is probably replicated like you say in rp all those skills based it seems like it's you know from a young age this is this has been your talent this is what you have so this is the route you take and you, you don't dare try anything else and you know i think i think we need to give the pupils as many wide experiences as possible and start at the most basic level and um, take it right back to step one 
give them a taste of it, let them see, oh, I might actually have this ability. My per year rates, um, and I have two non-specialists <laughs> who teach for me, and dear help them, they deserve all the praise um, for having to take on the lessons that I make them do. But what, what we start with is a, um, we start by rather than playing at the very start of a quarter, any instrument, anything that some pupils in the class might have an advantage over another one, depending on their primary school experience, we take that away and I make them do um, pitch lines, which involves them doing like, ooh, sounds. <laughs> and that's how they learn and they create a pitch line together as a group. And then they have to perform again. I feel that performance part's really yeah. important to get in and make them do it from day one. Um, so it's to take away that kind of, here's a B on a, you know, on a recorder and by the end, in the next four months, you're going to be able to play hot cross buns or three blind mice, you know, that, that it's not going to, it's not going to really benefit you in life, but, you know, maybe doing a bit of confidence given to you from having to perform in, other, in front of other people might actually benefit you. Yeah, you know, and work as a team. Absolutely. And, you know, and they all look at me. It's quite funny. They look at me with this utter, like, sheer <laughs> panic. And I'm just like, listen, we're going to do it. So let's just, everybody's going to be embarrassed. I'm going to be embarrassed. Some of it's going to sound awful, but we're just going to get through it and we're going to do it together. And I've certainly noticed since we introduced that, and again, my non-specialists sometimes look at me like, what are we doing? But they, we um, we do that so that every child is starting at the same point. Because um, that's really important to me. That's something I've really tried to bring in in the school that I'm in, is that every child starts at the same point to make this subject accessible to all. And you know, I have to say, I'm very fortunate. I know that that example that you gave there where it's a class of five, you know, I'm my current classes are sitting in the teens, which is great. And I'm really, really happy about that. But that has that has come from a lot of self-evaluation, re-evaluating even the way I was maybe taught, even the system I was brought through and trying to wrap my head around, OK, this isn't a subject that you had to have been doing piano from age four to do. It's making it more of a subject rather than this kind of elitist fancy hobby that some people have. It's really interesting hearing you saying that as well, because I think in everything that we do as teachers, that reflective practice, looking at our experiences critically and saying, OK, so this worked for me, but is that necessarily mm -hmm. what's going to work for everybody? So, for example, you grew up in a musical family, mm -hmm. but you have taken that step back and gone, OK, but for the students who have not had that same exposure yeah. to music as a kid, what can we do about it? And I love that then thinking about how to bridge that gap whenever they're starting off in the post-primary school and looking at, okay, so how can we make it clear that this is an even playing field for everybody, that we're all starting off making the same noises to make this pitch line. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, it's not, well, here are the students who've already got grade yeah. on the trumpet and here's everybody Absolutely. else who's who's going to sit here and listen to them and they're the only ones that are going to get to perform so i think Absolutely. that is really interesting that you're bringing in that element of reflection and evaluating and it's great to see that it is working in your school that you you've got those good numbers coming through at gcse yeah absolutely it has and it's and as as well i think trying to tailor i know what i've done is i've tried to tailor a lot of as as we all do in many subjects you know we tailor the curriculum in eight to ten years eight to ten to kind of it's almost like a, a more junior version of maybe some of the topics that you cover but i think traditionally in music there have been a lot of well we're going to study this area of music because it's always been studied and yeah it's looking at well that's not 
you know, is that it's a little bit of maybe this is where the marketing that I was maybe going to go into kind of comes <laughs> into it and a bit of PR. But it's looking at look, that, that is not maybe the most relevant thing to these 11 year olds yeah. who are sitting in front of you, you know, and I, I think part of it has to be a wee bit of selling it too. Um, and, and it is sad that we have come down to that. But I, I think if we want to make that subject as accessible to everybody, we have to tailor it a little bit to kind of what they are more interested in at the moment. Um, and I think that's really helped. Yeah, well, that's quite similar, actually, to a history teacher that I was speaking to last year, or a couple of years ago now, who was saying that they were noticing that not as many girls were studying history at GCSE in their school as the boys. Okay. And they had sort of noticed this trend, but hadn't then stopped to look at the reasons behind it. Yeah. Until the numbers dwindled down to a point where they thought, here, we better start getting more of these girls into the classroom. <laughs> yeah. And um, whenever they looked at it and they did some student voice uh, surveys and they spoke to the girls and said, so you're you're good at history. Why are you not picking it for GCSE? And mm-hmm. one of the responses was, we never study any women. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. It's and, just not, it's just not play, relevant. Yeah, play to, to them. The, to them for asking the question realizing this was what was happening and then they did something about it and they looked critically at the course and thought okay these are all the things that we've been interested in and it was male and female teachers so you know it was a mixed department but they hadn't realized that this was the slant in junior school so before they got to GCSE a lot of the girls were already thinking well this isn't marketed at me to to come back to your your marketing path that you could have had you know they were they they didn't see themselves in it therefore they weren't picking it yeah and I think well if they're you know you were talking about that kind of pathways that I looked at last year you know if for example those girls don't see themselves in that pathway you know they're thinking well I maybe I don't want to go into an industry that isn't you know for me or I'm not represented in or you know it's only a certain you know stereotype is going to be able to go through that you know it yeah, I think there is now more a, a lot more kind of marketing of subjects, and you do it, and you but you do it in a subtle way, not necessarily with you know massive adverts down the corridor, but you 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 do it in more looking at your content, and yeah. you know if a pupil's engaged, they're going to learn a lot more, um, and you can see the glazing even whenever I do the theory side because it is still important to all of that side of music. I see the glaze and I have said to them, listen, it's going to be two weeks. It's going to be dull, but we're going to get through it. And then we're going to move on to something a bit more interesting. And I think even them just seeing you understanding that even though I love theory, I fully understand they're going to find it real dull. And that's okay. And I think building that up as well and that kind of rapport works um, that they can see you're not just some kind of old fashioned classical music loving person. (laughs) Well, that's that's just it. And that's so similar to what we find in the English department in my school as well is actually looking at the content and making sure that it's relevant and just because there's a book that we loved that we were all taught mm-hmm. a million years ago when we were in school yep. that yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the best choice for now and we keep looking at what we're doing especially with our youngest students coming through and what options we have at GCSE but one thing that always shocked me was with an anthology that we used to use, and it was a, an exam board one that we used to use at GCSE until fairly recently, the poetry anthology, there was not one female poet. Yeah. Not yeah, one. And, even, oh. well, and I could even, I could, I could say this, it's the same with music. And I think, unfortunately, because of maybe some of the topics we study at that time, 
like we are talking, you could count on one hand the number who would have had a musical output. There are mm-hmm. more now, but it is still very much, um, there aren't as many females coming through into the industry. So yes, I, I could relate to that yeah. completely, yes. But what, what surprised me the most was the fact that my female students didn't notice. They didn't oh, no, notice no. that they were missing <laughs> until it was pointed out. And then they were going, oh, here, actually, right enough, where are we? <laughs> Our voice isn't yeah. here. So I think it is really important to look at those voices. And I know we'll come on to talk about that again soon, but looking at whose voices are actually being heard. And if we have this decline in music, is that then going to have an impact on whose voices are being heard in the future? Is this going to end up being something that becomes more elitist rather than trying to take some of those barriers down? So we're going to have a quick pause for a second. And when we come back, we're going to have a look at that and also talk about the impact that COVID and lockdown had on music and musical events as well when we come back in just a minute. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly and access actionable data that drives student success. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. Okay, we're back with Amanda Kinsey-Smith, myself, and my guest tonight, Nikki Mark, a head of music and member of SLT in a post-primary school here in Northern Ireland. So Nikki, we've been chatting about the pathway that your life has taken and the benefits that we've seen for you with uh, with studying music and where it's led you. We've talked as well a bit about the decline that we've seen in music qualifications and why that matters. And what I was wanting to ask you next is, have you found this decline since lockdown to be just in music qualifications or music events in general, whether in school or or in general in, in the public sphere? Um, yeah, I think, you know, we can all remember back to um, the, the big headlines of, you know, all of the concerts being cancelled mm-hmm. and, you know, during that whole kind of COVID um, period of our lives. Um, <laughs> and I think that 
a lot of the unknown that came out of that, even certainly at the start, which was a very scary time, you know, yeah. um, certainly in the, you know, whenever you were wiping down your shopping and all of that, you know, it was quite <laughs> a scary time. So it, it, I do remember all of the guidance being released and thinking, oh, goodness, is this the end of the subject? You know, is this the end of concerts for however long this is going to continue on for? Um, and I was even reading back in preparation for coming on actually tonight. I was reading back to some of the guidance that was outlined. Um, if I can take you to it, just a little bit of guidance that came out right at the start. And it was talking about singing in choirs. And this would probably lead into that kind of wider top or wider um, performances, you know, outside of schools, but also within school. And it goes into great detail about um, the bioaerosols in proportion to volume and all of this. And one little comment was humming is safe. And I thought, fantastic. Great. Oh, we'll lovely. We'll have everything. a performance of humming. Performance <laughs> of humming. What could go on? Right. So we looked and I remember some of the phrases were this. And this is what I think music teachers were dealing with. And when this came out, you know, it, it certainly wasn't given <laughs> with enough time to put anything in place or for, you know, the creative teachers to be creative with it to try and figure out ways around it but it was you know obviously the two meter distancing it was yeah. having that well ventilated room but it was saying things like um the area of the room is critical higher ceilings don't mean that singers are safe to stand to close together must be a minimum ventilation of 10 liters per second per person but we're not sure how we can verify this you know more practical approaches are to limit things to 40 minutes and then make sure the room is entirely ventilated and you know we, we all work in schools we know we don't necessarily have 15 minutes in a day to ventilate a room prior to letting pupils go into it, you know, straight away after. So I think a lot of us were, we were put very much into these very difficult circumstances in terms of being able to deliver those extracurricular activities, which we now know in hindsight would have been so beneficial to people who were dealing with very scary situations. Um, and even for those to to build community whenever everything was very much so isolated. Um, so I think that unfortunately, yes, COVID has had a major impact on the uptake um, of students. I even know myself when I look at the year groups that would have been possibly P7, year eight, maybe year eight, year nine. That was where maybe our GCSE numbers took a little bit of a dip. And the reason why was you couldn't offer you know, any instrumental tuition within the school. You couldn't run any extracurricular right. activities because you were having to do things like I remember vividly um, to try and get some sort of brass tuition in particular. I had a tape measure and I was working with the caretaker trying to measure out three meters on a floor, also five meters on a floor to get a suitable room that would be ventilated again with that lovely 10 liters of air per second per person, you know, and trying to get the screens in place um, whilst also making sure that it could be ventilated between pupils coming in for lessons. You know, it, it became an almost impossible task to run anything like that. And so you had two years, well, the guts of two years there where pupils weren't necessarily doing those activities. So, of course, when it came to the start of GCSE picking and choices, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily even on their radar and understandably so, because they didn't have those performance options, you know, for those kids who didn't take lessons and we would have worked on stuff maybe with those pitch lines or even yeah. singing, you know, in class, they didn't have that experience. And so they maybe wouldn't have been up to even that grade three standard, you know, um, which is kind of where you want them to be. So unfortunately, I would say numbers did take a dip there. It, it wasn't helped 
by, and I know that this is probably my personal opinion and a bit of a, <laughs> a, a ranting, but you know, I, I don't think it was helped whenever music activities um, were completely stopped and yet others were allowed to start up again. Um, I know that, for example, in some churches, you know, if somebody was singing maybe from the front of a church, if they, that person had COVID, then the entire congregation would have to isolate for however many days, you know, or even wow. concerts. And it, it kind of carries on to concerts. If there was someone was singing, you know, in a concert, the whole venue would have had to, you know, isolate. And it just, it it made it very, very difficult to, you know, watch news stories, watch guidance, you know, whenever it came on, when it said, no, it's okay, you can play all this kind of contact stuff outside, you know, even sporting events. But yeah, music, we need to keep you to the sideline for a bit because that's singing, real dangerous. Was the <laughs> kind of real, that was what was being put out. Um, and I think that that trickled down, that trickled into parents, it trickled into pupils. And I'll be honest, it probably trickled into teachers as well, thinking, there's no point in me even pushing this because I can't get skills into these kids yeah. for, to, so that they can achieve because um, alongside making sure that, you know, you've got good kids in your class, you've got kids who are able to do it. You want to make sure you're doing the right thing for them. And you don't, you don't want to put pupils in who are going to flounder, sink, you know, even in a time whenever you know a lot of anxiety was coming out, certainly. Yep. And post-COVID, you, you don't want to put pupils into a really stressful situation um, into a subject that, you know, they're maybe only half prepared for. Um, so I do see a lot of those kind of, you know, we're coming through them. And certainly those year groups are moving more to the, to the more senior end of school. Um, and we do see a little bit of those dips. But I think we are coming out the other side. Um, what was really interesting, actually, was some of the year groups that are coming in now, we have a lot of string instruments because oh. I suppose they were able to maybe come back first. So we have a massive boost. It's been a nightmare to try and get all the violins <laughs> so that they can all hire them. But it's been it's been really good to see that there's been a great boost for the string section um, of our certainly of our school orchestra anyway. So it's you know I think there were some strengths maybe in terms of certain instruments that were allowed to continue, but for those brass, woodwind, and singing, um, tuition, and even all of those um, groups outside of school and within school, those really did have to be paused. Um, and if they didn't, it had to be outside. And when we got into those colder months, you know, it's very cold here. <laughs> and it wasn't just wasn't an option. So, yeah, I, I would fully agree that COVID did have an impact and certainly has done. And maybe some of those declining numbers. So standing outside and humming is possibly not really going to sell the subject to everybody unless no. they've got a seriously hardy disposition. No, not in November anyway. <laughs> um, I, I remember even looking at options and thinking, do you know what? No, we're not, we're not gonna. We're not even gonna start this because they will. None of them will do music after I've put them outside in the cold. You know, so that we can hum to something to try and create a musical experience. So, you know, it and it didn't. What I really did find was it. It didn't leave a lot. Certainly, when guidance came out as well, it it didn't leave a lot of room for. Well, let's come up with alternative ideas because you know creative teachers you know certainly in the arts you know they're creatives themselves and we love challenges like that like in terms of okay well I could think of a really great idea but it was all about the timing and it, it, it just wasn't enough time to come up with you know alternatives to treat to try and make the subject survive and realistically we're all working in school buildings of different ages we're not going to have five meter yeah. rooms with high ceilings no. and 10 no. liters per, per breath no I'm, and we definitely are. And I, again, I'm very, very fortunate. There's a room that's beside my main teaching room 
and it used to be an ICT room. So we were able to do that five meters, but I mean, it was diagonal and we had someone standing right at the door and someone standing right at the far corner, you know, the diagonal corner. Um, to try and facilitate those lessons, but you had to do you had to do what you could at that point to ensure that at least some of the subject would survive and you'd be able to get some pupils to go through. Sounds more like facing up to battle rather than performing together. Yes, Not quite the vibe that uh, that you're going for <laughs> with your pitch lines with the newbies. No, definitely not. And they had to hum. And even I was going through some booklets the other day. I was, you know, printing stuff out for new things. And I accidentally printed the wrong book, the Corona booklet for doing this particular <laughs> topic. And on it was a little line that said, please hum quietly behind your mask <laughs> when doing this like, activity. And I thought, oh, goodness, remember that time? So I had to quickly get that deleted um, and go back to our lovely normal singing. Yes, they can hum as loudly as they like now. They can. <laughs> And just something that you touched on there as well about students' mental health and coming through such scary times. Last week, obviously, we had World Mental Health Day on the 10th of October. Mm-hmm. So given that there are so many increasing challenges at the minute regarding the mental health of our young people and our adults who are working in mm-hmm. schools, you know, for everybody, because I know that you're keen on on staff choirs and, and things mm-hmm. as well. How do you think that music can help with this? Well, I think if you think of music kind of even outside of an educational setting, you know, music gets you through heartbreaks. It, you know, it gets the heart rate up when you're on your way to an interview. You know, it's where you release on a night out. It's, you know, there's always music playing. It encourages shoppers to shop as there was always a very famous example shop whose music went down and sales dropped. You know, music has accompanied a lot of your key life moments, you know, wedding music, funeral music, um, mm. even talking about kind of on that wider scale of things that, you know, countries have gone through in the last year, particularly in the UK, you know, there's been funerals, there's been carnations. And what you find is music's there. And it, it's one of the first things that gets rolled out. You know, music has has this really unique ability of seeing you through all of these life events and all of these emotions. And I think particularly in this time, because um, we are still seeing it even now, you know, and, and you almost feel like some of those COVID memories are a bit of a, a dream or a blur that kind of happened. But there are still a lot of kids who have been impacted really negatively um, from yeah. the lack of socialization. And I think music can bring people together. Um, and I certainly think in that community aspect, one of the big things that I've tried to do in the school that I'm in, um, and it's always big selling points and open night, um, more PR marketing there. Um, but it's always, it's one of the things that I do is I try to make my music um, groups accessible for everybody. We have one group in our school that is auditioned and it's our chamber choir where we do harder music. And the reason why it's auditioned is to see, are they capable of keeping up and would they be fitting in the parts? All of our other um, all of our other ensembles are open to all of the all ability and all year groups. So what I will do is if I've got a pupil who is brand new and is playing, you know, a clarinet for the first time, she's going to be in the orchestra and she's going to play big semi-brief long notes and she might only play five in the entire piece, but it's to get them into that community. And it's to get them sitting beside a year 13 pupil or, you know, a year 12 pupil and building that community back again. Because I think that's how we tackle the mental, some of the mental health problems that we're seeing in education. It's by having pupils who are like, do you know what? I went through this too. It was really difficult, but here's how I tried to get out of it. And, you know, and it's using that kind of mentor almost aspect of some of our ensembles that I think is really helping. 
Um, it's certainly something that I've noticed in that we've when we've been able to bring these groups back, I am starting to see a lot more community, a lot more smiles around the department, even in the corridors. You know, there's little year eights running up to year 14s because they're going to string group later and they're wanting to make sure they're there. You know, and it's I think that that is encouraging people's also to go to school because that's the fun, that's the joy. I was listening even to one of the previous um podcasts here in this um on this particular station and it was saying that you know we we need to bring back the joy in the education as well it, it can't just all be the stress anxiety filled you know inspection driven you know place we have to bring that joy back um and i think that maybe some of the extracurriculars and some of the topics that you cover could help that and help that kind of um mental health epidemic that we seem to be going through Absolutely. And I think that's a really good point that you're making as well about those connections, that community then that builds up across the year groups. So within classes, yes, you can you can mix the students up, you can look Mm -hmm. at uh, seating plans and those sorts of things. But it's really in the extracurricular that they get the opportunity to talk to girls from outside their sphere who they would never meet otherwise. And that Mm -hmm. can really be to the benefit of, of all of them, of the older ones getting to be in that mentor role and remembering mm-hmm. what it was like whenever they were just new and starting off and now they're, you know, now they're one of the big ones, one of the big students able to Absolutely. help out and how great it is then for the, the wee ones to look up and see those older students. I mean, there was um, a student of mine who I was speaking to last week who's looking to do a, a public speaking opportunity. And one of the things that she said was she remembers so clearly in junior school seeing the head, the head girl sitting up on the stage in assembly behind the principal and going look at her uniform look at oh you know look at her up there that's what I want to do that's what I want to be and now that she's in sixth form herself she's really excited about trying to inspire the younger year groups to feel the same way and have that sense of community within the school absolutely because you know teachers can only be role models to a certain degree because, you know, as much as I love to think I am still a little bit of a teenager in my head, I'm definitely not. <laughs> so I don't necessarily know. And I, I grew up through that. Thank goodness. There's a lot of stuff is not documented on the Internet. There's a lot of outfits and questionable outfit choices there <laughs> that thankfully are not immortalized on the Internet. Um, and a lot of hair choices as well, but we'll not go into that. But there, you know, we don't I didn't live through that. So I can understand it to a point. But there are sixth year girls who fully understand what it's like, you know, having their life documented online. Um, And I think that that is really, really important for those kind of older pupils, as you say, to be role models and to really impart. I know that we find that even through um, some of those pupils who are in the senior school, they've all of a sudden discovered that they like they like imparting and kind of putting into those younger pupils. And education has become a oh, do you know what, maybe this is a career path for me. You know, I'm really enjoying connecting with those younger younger pupils or maybe it's going into, you know, kind of that social care role, you know, it's, it, but it's only through those opportunities that it, that kind of thing has been kind of awakened within them. Um, just in the same way, maybe studying a subject might inspire some kind of career. I think those opportunities also inspire a career. And I think they're really, really important within the education system. Yeah, so it's looking beyond what is applicable to them right now and helping them to think more long term about what career paths and what strengths they have that they maybe wouldn't have discovered otherwise. 
Absolutely, because they may not have engaged with someone of that age, you know, mm -hmm. prior to, you know, being thrown in. If I make them take a string grip, which I do to two of my pupils, you know, they are now having to interact with 11, 12 year olds. And that's very different from what they maybe would normally be doing in school. Um, but it's been a very positive experience. And I know the benefits for those younger kids. It's just brilliant. Um, and it, it really it gives them a sense of, you know, pride in their school as well and a place for them because they're like, you know, what one day, as you say, I'll get up to that age and, you know, I want to do that then. And oh, look what they're doing. I want to be able to do that in the future. And, you know, it, I just think it's really, really good for the pupils and it, it boosts attendance. You know, whenever pupils are wanting to come in for something, you know, they want to come in for that percussion rehearsal. You know, you all of a sudden see that, you know, if a pupil who maybe is experiencing anxiety, they actually are mm -hmm. always in on that day. And um, I know from an experience myself from, you know, certain pupils who um, were really, really not coping post um, COVID, but they were involved in a particular group and they were in and it was a Thursday. And, you know, you can see the pattern. You can see that they're coming in on a Thursday and, you know, you have to start to look at, well, why is that? Can we then stretch that out where maybe... Do we have an extra rehearsal on another day? Do we have something that they could maybe, you know, help in maybe some of the younger years that then gets them in on a Monday? You know, let's let's start the week and see how it goes on. So I do think, especially for that mental health and certainly with the anxiety that's in schools, I think it is really, really important. I suppose one of the other huge issues that are that, that's facing people today moving on from lockdown, we now are in the cost of living crisis, it's affecting uh -huh. schools, it's affecting families, it's affecting students. And then do you think finances have also then had an impact on students that are maybe not picking the subject? I know that you were saying you've done a lot of work looking at trying to bridge that gap and uh -huh. looking at singing and things from the beginning so that they're not having to have an instrument. Uh -huh. But in terms of, of financing, studying music at all, do you uh -huh. think that's having an impact on, on the numbers? Absolutely, because there are, and I can very much kind of as head of music, I can see the two sides. I can see the tutor who deserves to be paid a certain rate, mm -hmm. you know, for their skills, because you do it with an electrician, you know, so yep. it, you're paying for those skills that they've built up. And I fully understand, yes, that particular tutor, you know, all, well, all of the tutors, they deserve to be paid, you know, a rate that is equate to what they have their skill set. You know, but on the other flip side, I can see, but there is this cost of living crisis, you know, it's, it's becoming, you know, when you're choosing between heating your house or making or getting flute lessons, you know, you're going to heat the house and understandably so. And I think that is a problem that we have here. Even before tonight, I was doing a wee quick check just to make sure I wasn't talking nonsense. But I was looking up because it was something that I knew before, but I thought, oh, maybe do a quick check here just in case. But I, I have looked up things like funding and you know um arts funding and the big thing that always comes through is there's a bursary here for musical instruments and that's great and that's wonderful but that isn't what the most expensive part about maybe learning an instrument is it's the lessons and i think there are i think primary schools do this much better than post-primary and um, the lessons are subsidized and there are portions of budget assigned to that i don't think it really exists as much unless you are in a particular area um, of the country which is more um, which is less affluent um, and there are there's more funding available for those areas as well and i i just think that everybody now is really being hit financially um, and i just there needs to be something there needs to be better um, funding 
to subsidise lessons so that tutors aren't having to take, because they're in the cost of living crisis too, you know, they yeah. shouldn't have to take the hit. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we need to make lessons affordable. So it is a, it's a difficult thing to balance. Uh, it is a difficult uh, job to kind of sort out. But I, I think we're trying, we're trying to make as long as all kind of sides are informed as you know, look, this is the reason why this is this or you know, it, but I do think that there need to be better options out there, not just to fund the cost of instruments, because there's no point in you having, you know, 20 flutes sitting in your store if the pupils can't afford to, you know, do the lessons for them. It, it's just it's just pointless. It's funny you mentioning the flute because, I mean, mm-hmm. whenever my dad was in primary school, mm-hmm. the, the, they did the test to see, OK, well, <laughs> who, who can, who's going to do this? And he got a flute. He got <laughs> okay. a flute and he had flute lessons included and he had yeah. flute lessons. And there's no way my dad would have ever picked up a flute otherwise. Yeah, you know, never would have happened. And my yeah. nephew then, my nephew Jack, whenever he was in primary school, he turns 21 in two days. So that's how recent that is. Oh, yeah. Uh, when he was in primary school, he came home one day with a French horn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, they were all having a go at the yeah. different instruments. And I'm pretty sure yeah. Jack was the only one in the class that was able to get any noise out of the French horn. Goodness <laughs> knows what that noise was. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the next was thing was, you know, he was there at home. They did a performance of Annie. Brilliant. Every day, Fantastic. Jack yeah. was practicing his, you know, playing the same note four times in a row, which yep, yep. Seemed, seemed to be for a while the height of it. But he yeah. practiced and practiced away and we all went to see them in the performance. And I suppose that's another aspect as well. It gives those yeah. kids, you know, maybe, maybe a student who isn't going to be and I'm not I'm not this is this is not uh, in reflection of my nephew again at this point. But more generally, <laughs> if we're looking at a kid who maybe isn't sporty and doesn't have, you know, family going and and cheering them on for that, or maybe they're not winning all the academic awards that other kids might be getting. Having those opportunities to be in the orchestra with your one note in the French horn, and you know, being able to perform and have your family there, have your friends there, supporters of some type there to cheer you on, must have such a big impact on you. Absolutely, The, the buzz that you get from you know, I even know from myself being, I've seen videos of myself at little recitals back when I was, you know, five or six and it's the wee walk out onto the stage with the wee awkward quick wave to mummy and daddy who are oh, out yes. there, you know, it's, it's, that, <laughs> that is so, that that's a big moment for a kid, you know, and I think being part of something bigger than yourself, I think is really, really important right now. Um, And certainly be taking part in all those extracurriculars, like you said, you know, for Jack, that, that was probably a highlight, but it, it almost... I want to try and get that into the, you know, the post-primary because it mm-hmm. doesn't, It we find there's a bit of a drop-off rate and, you know, it's things like, oh, sorry, is the instrument maybe not included in this? Oh, I have to hire that? Right, okay, that, that's just, I just need to think about that. And understandably, people have to think about that, you know, um, certainly with where we are at the moment. But I do think that there there's something about doing those performances that are great for kids who maybe don't have you know, they're not top of the class. They're not getting, as you say, you know, those awards um, for academics. Um, and, you, you know, they, you know, the musical talent does reserve or deserve to be rewarded also. So, yes, no, I am all for getting as many in as I can. And to see those wee smiles um, whenever they're performing and they're so proud of themselves. Um, and that is worth all of the blood, sweat and tears that go <laughs> to bidding on those events. Um, it really is. It kind of it warms your heart getting to see them and um, just be so happy with their performance and proud of themselves. Would that be one of the 
one of the joys, would you say, then of your profession, whenever you're thinking over your career so far, would it be moments like that that really then stand out as bringing the joy into it? Oh, absolutely. I, um, I've i talked to I talked to my mum quite a lot about this, obviously. Mm. it's You know, she has a lot of experience in it. And, you know, you talk about the, oh, I don't have a lunchtime, you know, because you're always involved in stuff. And, you know, her line is always, yeah, but you get that buzz. You get the buzz that maybe other teachers don't get. So, yeah, you might not have to eat until three o'clock or whatever, you know, the time the first break comes. But you get to see their faces and the excitement on their faces and you get it yourself whenever you're like yeah we've got we've done the best job at this piece and it sounds class and you you know <laughs> that that is one of the that is one of the perks of the job that maybe other teachers and other subjects don't necessarily get um and you kind of touched on it a wee bit earlier about staff involvement and absolutely i i love a staff choir um i was involved in one in a couple it was a couple of schools ago and then brought it into the school I'm in now. And actually another member of staff has now taken that all over, which for me is fantastic because you can see, you know, them using their skill set, which is great. And I think it's the pupils love it. They walk past the room and like try to look in to be like, what is going on in there? <laughs> and I think even people seeing, you know, adults partaking in those musical activities is great you know would i love some staff to be in the orchestra absolutely and who knows maybe that's my next route that i'll go and try and get some of them involved um but yes i think it's you know I, for me just being part of those musical activities yes you dread going to rehearsals i understand that sometimes when it gets to a certain point in the day you're like i could really do with just sitting here and not having to go to this but by the end of it you know the endorphins are going and you've really enjoyed yourself and i think that that's what music brings and that's probably a unique aspect of music that must bring so much satisfaction. Absolutely. When you know, and I know that there's a lot of shouting to get to that point, but whenever you see it, and whenever they see that I'm like, yes, we've done it, they're like, yes, we've done it. We've made her happy. You know, it's like a look of we've actually managed to make this sound good. And, you know, last year we did a big 90s medley and the, oh, staff, the staff choir joined in as well. So, you know, whenever you have 150, 160 people standing on the stage, including staff, as well as you know year eights and all the way up singing and doing the top dance and spice girls that that actually <laughs> happened and you know singing robbie williams angels like that that's just an experience you're not going to get in any other aspect of your life <laughs> so you know i do think it's really important for community i do and i think it it brings that joy back what we were talking about earlier just brings that joy back into the day Excellent. Well, we're going to have a final brief pause. And when we come back, we're going to look at how we can support students that are wanting to go down this path and what what messages really, Nikki, you have for them and what you'd like to see in the future. So we'll come back to that in just a minute. In, in today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, -face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly and access actionable data that drives student success. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? 
Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. Okay, we're back with Nikki Mark, a head of music and member of SLT in a post-primary school here in Northern Ireland. And Nikki, we've been chatting about some of the benefits that studying music can have. We've looked at the evidence of the decline in numbers of students taking it on at GCSE. We've thought a bit about the effects of COVID. We've chatted about how students maybe are selected and and, and the differences between primary school and post-primary. I was wondering then, I know that we have a, a mutual friend who is an actor and she has said before about how important music was for her as at this safe place that she could go to. And she's very concerned as well about the impact that it could have if it ends up being a career or a pathway that ends up just being really focused on on, on the elites, people who already have money and maybe aren't so concerned about I, I must study a degree that is going to lead me into this job that will, you know, yield this financial reward. Mm-hmm. And then the, the impact that can have on the voices that get heard or or what, what gets missed in the future. Have you any thoughts on that? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that we have, especially maybe here in Northern Ireland, we do have a very traditional view of you know there are these three areas that you can go into (laughs) and we we kind of look at that like okay well you're you're going to do law you're going to do medicine or you're going to be a teacher you know and then what if that's kind of broadened out maybe then you're going to do nursing as well you know so I, i think we need to we need to make room for those other alternatives and I think we need to I, I saw an article and it kind of broke my heart actually my husband alerted it to me um and it was like a little bar graph and it said about you know it was this is the amount of money you'll earn per career <laughs> the average oh dear. and it did it, it broke it down as total and it broke it down actually as just male and female um, and it was you know the, the arts and specifically music was negative and I was like, well, that's not ideal, you know. So I think, you know, we need to start looking at, you know, those success stories, but also especially for those, you know, pupils or kids who are coming from less affluent areas who maybe money is a bit more of a, it's it's not like, oh, I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to try this because it's okay because, you know, I've got money back in me. And if I fail, it's all right, it's fine because the money's there, you know, to, to pick me up again if it doesn't work or if I become one of those negative numbers. You know, I, I think we need to look at the subject as the op, the skills that it can give you. And it kind of goes back to even we're kind of book ended it a wee bit. And the skills that are given, certainly were given to me in music about that ability to present, that ability to stand up in front of a group of people, you know, that ability to talk to people, um, all of those things, you know, th- those are viable skills um, that I think the subject produces. Um, I also think that we need to 
like I said before about the funding and the arts, I think we need to look at the subject as not something that we rely on when times are bad or, you know, whenever there is a particular service on and we need, you know, a bit of PR, we need something, oh, quick, wheel out all the musicians. You know, if, if that's what we want, you know, as a society and if we want to use music in all those events, we need to be funding it and we need to be creating the jobs there for these people. Um, and we need to be ensuring that in schools that that subject is valued just as much as every other subject and ensure that maybe budgets are maybe distributed that way. Um, I know that across um, the country, when you look at the numbers of even teachers in certain departments, you know, music is always one of those really small ones. And yet the first event that's needed, music's wheeled out. You know, and I think we need to start recognizing that as a society that if we want to, if we want to use that, we need to have the jobs there, which means we need to be making more secure jobs for those who are in the arts. It can't just be a, oh, well, you might make it, you might not. You know, it, it doesn't just always mean performing. There are other jobs out there that musicians would be really beneficial in. And it, it's it's recognizing that the skill set that comes with learning that subject could be beneficial in a certain business um, and and you know people then can say oh you know I could go into this kind of job with a music degree or you know with a drama degree or whatever the arts um, the particular art specialty is. Yeah and I think that's a really interesting point as well of looking at there are other jobs in this field. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it's not I'm, just to be a TikTok star, you know, and <laughs> it, it is, it, there are other jobs. And I, I know that, I know I always joke with talking about, yeah, marketing, that, that's my other route, or, you know, <laughs> being a Disney princess or Tinkerbell. But, you know, it's, it all comes back to that. I, I was given a very positive experience of performing. That led me to having a confidence that would have gone into the kind of creativity side of having, you know, that performance, which could have lent itself to marketing, you know, where you would have to present, obviously, to um, a client, you know. So it, it it's kind of looking at, you know, it doesn't just have to be, okay, I go, and even though this is my path, but I don't have to go just do a music degree, become a music teacher. You know, it, it's looking at all of those other options um, yeah. as well. And then, you know, thinking about what you were saying there about how if we if we want to have music, I mean, music is so involved in mm -hmm. how we celebrate our faith, our identity, you know, our community, mm -hmm. all sorts of like all these big life events that you talked about earlier are bound up in music. You know, whenever I was getting married, that was one of the most fun parts was sitting with my <laughs> husband to be and coming up with playlists for you know, for the people arriving and for music for the aisle and music for the afternoon, music for the evening. We still listen to those playlists now. I was listening to one in the car yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I would I would hate to end up in a society, in a place where the music all sounds the same because it's just the same people from the same background who are getting the opportunity and nobody else is getting that chance. Absolutely. It It's such a you know, it's such an eclectic bunch of people involved in music, you know, and then the, and from that, you know, that, that comes out, certainly in the music that is produced. And, you know, we need people who are doing the tech side of it, you know, who are running, you know, the sound production. We need all of those people as well. And that comes from studying the subject. So, you know, it isn't, like I said, it's not just going on to be the performer. You know, there are all of these other aspects in these jobs that are, you know, considered maybe more secure but I just don't know if they're necessarily advertised as well and I think that's something that we need to push so that those who are from the less affluent areas of society who don't maybe have the financial backing are like well do you know what 
it would appear it feels like I'm taking a risk here, but actually I'm not because I can see there's job opportunities here, here, and here. Um, and so I'm just making it a more secure avenue for people. And getting all those skills to see this is viable. This is going to be of benefit to me in all of these different aspects. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just making it more clear that, yes, you don't just have to go and, you know, start composing in the style of Mozart for, you know, this particular <laughs> group of people. You know, that there there are other options there for you. Um, yeah, it's something I would certainly love to see. What else would you like to see in the future? Where would you like to see things going? We've talked quite a bit about where things are at the minute and what you've been trying to do, but where would you like to see things go? I would love to see probably the music music be valued, you know, again, and not just seen as I, I remember having a conversation with a, a friend and it was about oh, like it, it has no relevance to my life. And I think, well, no, you're recently married and you had music and I say, you know, you had your playlist and, and it's it's seeing the subject be valued because it, as I said at the start, it's a subject that gets you through a heartbreak. It's the subject that I played, you know, I played certain music on my way to my interview, you know, recently to, you know, kind of get that heart pumping and get the adrenaline going. And it worked. It, it, and it worked, which is great. <laughs> you know, it, it, it accompanies so much of your life and it's trying to maybe get others to see, oh, do you know what, actually, a life without music would be pretty dull. And I, I maybe need to value this a little bit more. And certainly for people, one of the things that is really important to me is that people like ourselves, you know, of our, of our kind of age range, um, you know, that we don't just have this very damaging memory of music of, oh, I didn't get the instrument. I didn't get into the choir. I'm not musical. It's trying to break that. And, you know, really, you know, certainly for us, I think I think we all need a little bit of looked after as well. Um, and I think we all need a little bit of a mental health boost too. And, you know, for people to see, well, maybe I could go and join a car and see what it's all about and see if it would be um, of help to me, because I, I do think it would. Just you saying that has sparked a memory of seeing a, a year eight pupil who had just joined the school a number of years ago and she didn't even realize that she was singing away to herself <laughs> and what she was she was looking she was looking for I think a green pen in her pencil case and she lifted every <laughs> single thing in that pencil case out on each thing that comes like and here's my eraser and I'm gonna put that here and oh here's a blue pen I'll put this one over it's like Lucy do you do you do, do you realize that you're singing right now and she looked up and she was like oh so I am not a bit of anxiety, not a bit of embarrassment. No. And yet as adults, oh, it's terrifying. Oh, yeah. the thought. So I, I love that you're thinking about looking at trying to break down some of those barriers that we've maybe inherited or grown up with of thinking that it always has to be high stakes. Absolutely. I know the amount of people that I meet or you meet and you say what your job is and go, oh, I had a music teacher once. Do you know what? She told me I couldn't sing. It was possibly one of the worst oh. memories I've had of primary school. And I'm like, I, I'm sorry. I'm you know, <laughs> of your teacher. You know, it's not something I subscribe to. You know, like I would, like I said at the start, my father is tone deaf, but he is incredibly creative and he has, he has an appreciation of music. So does that maybe make him musical in a way? You know, possibly. It just might not be maybe the most traditional way to view it, but I do think there's a little bit of that musicality in everybody. And that's something that I would certainly like to encourage for maybe some of our listeners, <laughs> maybe revisit some of those old songs that you used to listen to. Sing along. Absolutely. Get singing. May as well. Turn it really loud in the car. And if you think you can't sing, then you won't hear yourself anyway. So, you know, it's good. Get the volume up and just enjoy yourself. Well, what I suppose I would like then to finish with, because that has just flown, Nikki. Thank you so much yeah. for all of your contributions tonight. You've been such a fantastic guest. But I would love to have just finished by 
coming back to you and saying, right, you're the expert here. What what would you like to say? What message would you like to put out there? I think I would just I would be reiterating that that you you are more musical than you think you are. You know, anything that has been told to you about no you're not in, no you're not, it is and in my opinion, <laughs> a, a bit of a nonsense cop out for someone who maybe wanted something to, to be absolutely perfect. And you know, there's very few things in life are. So you know, we all add, and you can your voice will add to something. So yeah, don't don't count yourself out from some of those opportunities. Um, and certainly, and even in your lessons, if you're not a music teacher, you know, maybe look at some options as to how could you bring it in? Because, you know, the research is, you know, it's ridiculous on how, how beneficial music is, certainly even for other subjects. So maybe have a wee look, see if there's some of those songs out there that might, you know, help your class. You might not have to sing them yourself, but sure, we always have technology <laughs> and YouTube there to help us out and get us out of holes that way. So, yeah, I would just I would just encourage people to, you know, you know, explore music and maybe integrating music in a bit more and not to be afraid and to kind of ask even for help from your own music teachers in your school you know as to how you could maybe incorporate it in that's a very positive message to end on thank you so much so thank you for joining me nikki and thank you to everybody who's been listening along at home and for your contributions um yes so that's been my first show i'm amanda kinsey smith nikki mark has been my guest tonight on the sunday late show I will be back again next month and hope you can join me then. Thank you again, Nikki. Thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly and access actionable data that drives student success. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more.